Hey, Prudy listeners, this episode that you're about to hear was recorded before many were affected by the coronavirus pandemic. So if it sounds like the uh, show isn't really addressing the current level of global anxiety, there's a reason for that. And that's just because we got these in the can a while back. We hope everybody is staying safe. Now on with the show. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Alyssa, a public health grad student and knitter in Philadelphia, where she lives with her enormous puppy. And now here's our first letter. All right. Yeah, sorry, this next one is long. All right. And that's because you get to read it. That's <laughs> happy to read it. Thanks. Subject, a disgruntled feminist. Dear Prudence, I moved out of state this year, past year for my wife's career as she had a great opportunity in her line of work after 10 years of being stuck at the same level in her company. Her new office is great and they really appreciate her leadership. Now we're closer to family, have friendly neighbors and live in a bigger house. However, I've struggle, struggled to find work since we moved this past summer. I gave up a job in our old city that paid well and was intellectually fulfilling. I've searched hard and done extensive networking in our new town, but I have either lost out to internal or local candidates or been deemed overqualified. This is the sort of work, urban planning, that does require understanding the local context, and I totally understand why local, local candidates have a leg up. The only excuse I have for interviewing for jobs that I'm overqualified for is that I want to get my foot in the door and work my way up. I did that at my old employer over 10 years, and I'm pretty confident that I could do it again. As the months have stretched on, I've been bored doing projects at home and getting filled with resentment towards my wife. I willingly moved for her career as I know how hard it is for advancement for her in her company. But I miss working and I'm frustrated that I haven't been able to find anything. I pretty much take care of the kids full time when they are out of daycare, either sick or on weekends, as my wife works a lot on weekends and that builds resentment as well. I do all the cooking and cleaning, and while I don't mind that, it that isn't the only thing that I want to do. How do I bring up my feelings with my wife? When I have brought up my resentment in the past, she always shuts down the conversation by saying, we both agreed to move. We both did agree, but I have borne most of the cost of this move. Ooh. I think I want to start with the subject line, and I guess I'll preface that start by saying like, I think the letter writer, absolutely, I understand why he feels the way that he feels. I think that there's totally reasons that you would feel frustrated with your wife's refusal to have a conversation about how you're doing and, and what you might do as a couple to to help that. But I love the, like, a disgruntled feminist, like, the idea being, you know, you all might lose me as a team member if somebody doesn't get me a job soon. And um, I would just... I would very strongly encourage you not to think of this as an indictment of feminism so much as like the vagaries of the job market. And sometimes it's really difficult to move. And sometimes you need something from your partner that you're not getting. And you have every right to say, like, I really need more of your attention and focus on this. Mm -hmm. um, 
again, just none of that is an indictment of feminism. No, because the situation is one that a lot of women and wives have found themselves in over the years often. Um, yeah. And just like feminism's not like, hey, guys, if you move across the country for your job's wife, like we promise you a good outcome. Like that's you're you're dialing in feminism way too uh, specifically and you need to you need to pull back a little bit. <laughs> yes. However, resentment towards your wife is not probably what you want to feel, which is part of why you're writing, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had a couple of thoughts around this, too. One was like, it sounds like she's been pretty frustrated at her job for 10 years, mm -hmm. which is not to say like now she should be able to work 90 hour weeks and ignore you and not be like a full participant in deciding how to allocate like chores around the home. But, you know, uh, I, I do think it's important to to keep that perspective. And, and I wonder if maybe the way that you've brought up the conversation, if she shut it down with like, well, we both agreed to move. Is it because you've been like saying like, hey, things aren't working out here. We should probably look into moving back <laughs> because that I don't know is going to help. I, like you don't say that you think you'd be able to get that old job back. I don't know if she'd be able to get her old job back. Um, you'd probably have to, you know, it, it would be expensive and difficult. I don't know that that should be your first move. I, know, I feel like there's just a lot of things going on here did you feel like the problem here was more like hey let's give you advice on how to like branch out update your resume reply uh, apply to like slightly unrelated fields to see if you can break in there more easily like a, a a strategic problem or do you see it more as a like here's the different ways you should be trying to talk to your wife that's your main problem i saw it more as the second one more of a family unit relationship based problem because because partially I felt like if they wanted more career type advice, there's more career focused kind of guidance on the Internet that I. I think that's a great point. <laughs> I have never been an urban planner. And, um, <laughs> right. And I, you know, you give me a lot of great advice, but you might not be the first person I ask for to look at my resume. Um, totally understandable. <laughs> um, but. I think, you know, I think a lot of it is the frustration. And the, he keeps saying resentment towards, uh, the letter writer keeps saying resentment towards the wife. Um, but the wife is working. She's not your problem. She's right. not why you don't right. have a job. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I do understand that, like, in the sense that you two agreed to move together and she came up with the idea for moving because it had to do with her work. Yeah, Absolutely she's not the reason you're not able to find work now and there's nothing she could do short of going back in time and going for another 10 years at a job that was like deeply unsatisfying for her so that's not to say you can't talk to her about these feelings but i just think like it will not get you a job any faster if you focus on your resentment for her um and it will not make your life any easier. So I, I think really the thing to do is to say, like, we need to have a conversation about this again. I understand that we are not talking about moving back. So we can just take that off the table. This is not a conversation about moving back. Mm -hmm. This is a conversation about how many hours a week you work here, mm -hmm. um, how much we see each other outside of work, which it sounds like right now you basically don't, mm -hmm. which yeah. is a super legitimate complaint to have yes. right like right I, I, my thought there was like she may just be so excited to finally have a job she's really enjoying that she's just like this is me now 
and this is all I'm going to do 95 hours a week. And um, it would be really fair for you to say, like, I would like to revisit the number of hours you work a week, bearing in mind that you don't have total control over it. But like, you're not going to get fired for cutting back to 80. Mm-hmm. Probably. Probably. You hope. I, I, I say that like, you know, your own situation better, obviously, if she would, you know, that's tricky. I was going to say, I think there's also, you know, you said that you're in a pretty good situation. You live in a bigger house. You don't mention money as being like the main issue with you not having work. Uh, right. Mostly boredom and like wanting to do more interesting things. So and this is, goes back more to like the practical kind of thing as opposed to emotional relationship stuff. But, you know. Can you hire a babysitter on the weekends and then you and your wife could do more or you could even work or you could do something interesting yourself on the weekends? Um, But like finding something besides being at home and bored and mad at your wife, um, I think is going to be important because I think a lot of times when you sit at home thinking about how you're resentful about something it feeds the resentment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it would make a lot of sense to go back and say, like, you know, I'm going to keep searching for work. And in the meantime, uh, again, this is assuming that, like, money is not your biggest problem right now. I want to set aside, like, let's say two days a week to either volunteer work or taking, like, networking meetings or, um, you know, trying to break into a, an adjacent field or an internship or uh, like freelance projects. I don't know if there are freelance <laughs> urban planning projects. This is why I'm not a, you know, urban planning mm-hmm. advice columnist. Mm-hmm. Um, but but like setting aside that time that's just your own, even if it's like I'm going to go to a coffee shop and work all day um, just so that you're out of the house and you're not primarily cooking and cleaning, that is super, super reasonable. And then I think to also say like I would like if we could commit to like one day a week where you're not in the office and we're reliably together um, and to say, like, I, I think these are reasonable requests. Um, I, I'm not asking you to stop enjoying your job or to move home, but there's more that you can do, I think, to be involved and present in our life here. And I want and I need that from you. Like, we just moved really far away. We don't, you know, I, I, I want to be able to reground ourselves in the in the relationship here. Um you don't want this to turn into a you only move twice sort of situation. Maybe that would be a good episode of The Simpsons to rewatch, <laughs> the one with Hank Scorpio. Um, maybe it would be an incredibly painful episode to rewatch, and you want to save that for five years from now. But mm-hmm. I think you have a lot of reasonable things you can ask of your wife here. And if she just says, we're not moving, end of discussion, I think that's your cue to say, like, we actually need to keep up in this conversation. I agree that we're not moving. That's not what we're talking about, you know. But also, like, you can't use that to deflect yeah i think how can we make this work for both of us versus uh i feel resentful about this and i would like to go back in time is a better and more useful framework for moving forward in time and it is like it is also fair too like if you're having already like a mostly you know reasonable and practical conversation i think it would also be okay to just say like and there's a part of me that just feels really frustrated and resentful i know that that is not the most rational part of me but i do want to acknowledge it as something that's there and something that i want to try to let go of cuz i know pretending a resentment doesn't exist doesn't help 
Um, I wouldn't open with that, but absolutely you're entitled to tell your wife that, of course. Like, I would also be frustrated in your situation. Or would I be, or would I be like buying myself like diamond pinky rings and just really leaning into the house husband lifestyle? I think you'd be a great house husband. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I'm not sure. I might have an amazing time. I might be like having three hour long lunches and and calling myself like a gadabout. I've always I've always wanted to make enough money to be able to call myself a gadabout. Yeah, I think I don't know what the that level is, but I'm certain that I am not there as a full time grad in student. To be a gadabout, you have to have one of those like legacy columns in Vanity Fair where mm. you just like write them a letter three times a year, and you're like, run this. And, um, <laughs> they do. So whatever whatever stage of your career that is, that's what being a gadabout is. That sounds great. I agree. A gadabout is a type of bird. Go birds. <laughs> Go birds. Go birds. Um, I think it's nice that we're uh, – the next one is just super straightforward. We've had some kind of complex ones, and this one's not. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Would you, would you read it? I would yeah. be happy to. Thank you. Subject, am I that person? Dear Prudence. I work at a large not-for-profit academic medical center that is not religiously affiliated. Last year around the holidays, a well-meaning staff member sent out a very religious message to all staff wishing everyone a Merry Christmas and reminding all Jesus is the reason for why we work in healthcare. Being Jewish and agnostic, I was taken aback. This was the first time in my 12 years at this facility since this has happened. I chalked it up to an overly excited new person. Since last year, every holiday is accompanied by a similar email from this person. Jesus is the reason we start the new year. Jesus is the reason we celebrate loving each other. Jesus loves our country and our careers. Remember, Halloween is not Satan's day, etc. This is not coming from administration, just a person in another department. At first, they were cute annoyances, but it's become ridiculous. I've reached out to administration, but the emails keep coming. I'm tired of of the emails and tired of being evangelized to should i be that person and run this up the chain or let it go as life's little pet peeves if anyone here is being that person i think it is not you like oh, somebody no. objecting to hey at this non-religious company i don't love giving emails that say like jesus is the reason for arbor day <laughs> Which, by the way, I do want to acknowledge is everyone's go-to of, like, trying to demean holidays. Like, it's always like, oh, what is this, Arbor Day? Like, that's always what people say when they're trying to, like, make holidays look dumb. So I apologize for falling into that trap. Apologies to Arbor Day. Yeah, you're great. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I feel like you are perfectly reasonable in thinking that you don't need to be reminded that Jesus is the reason for anything when to you... Jesus is not a reason for any of the things listed here. And being Jewish, possibly not for anything. Um, I don't know what run it up the chain means precisely. Is that going to HR? It sounds, yeah, that would be either HR or this person's boss. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, like, uh, you know, this this doesn't fall into the category of, like, I have a slightly religious coworker who sometimes discusses their religion that would probably fall under the, like, rubric of like you know what are you going to do you have to live in a society yes um this is somebody like directly emailing everyone like proselytizing to them mm -hmm. um and the nice thing is you work at a large uh company and if it was like one of those companies that's under 15 employees sometimes they have a different set of rules like they don't have to have hr departments you might be uh slightly more um 
beholden to your boss's take, but like, my God, abs- sorry, or like my you know, <laughs> secularism. My Arbor um, Day. Yeah. Like, of course you can, uh, you know, you've reached out to the administration. Um, you you can do anything you want here. As long <laughs> as you're polite, you could respond to this person and say, like, I find these emails inappropriate and unwelcome. Please stop. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that and then go to your boss. Um, you can uh, do that and then go to your boss and then go to HR and then go back to the administration. You can talk to other coworkers and ask if they're also distressed by this. Like any option, as long as there's a paper trail and you don't call anyone names mm-hmm. is available to you because this is totally unreasonable. Yeah. If you're at a large academic medical center, you are certainly not alone in feeling like you don't need this kind of email being sent constantly um so it's i think certainly if you have coworkers you like and trust to talk to it's certainly worth talking to them yeah, as well this woman's using like company time to send everybody messages saying like jesus loves the united states of america which like no he doesn't <laughs> right it's there's a like ridiculous a, thing to say and it's it's not appropriate for work or like Jesus loves your career as a hospital administrator, and it's just like, what? Yeah. No, um, that's a, an outrageous claim. Yes. Um, you have every right to object to this. Yes. Totally reasonable. You would not be that person if, if somebody had sent around like a happy Christmas email, and you immediately like replied all and said like, "Get your disgusting religion out of my face." Then yeah, I think <laughs> at that stage you would be that person. But after a year of constant bombardments of like. Halloween is satanic at work. Yeah, but like uh, mildly objecting to it. Absolutely, you are not that person. It is not a little pet peeve. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah. I would say definitely keep a paper trail of whoever you're politely speaking to about this. But Right. I mean, the good news is like she's left a paper trail. It's wild to me that no one's... An enormous paper trail. Enormous paper trail of like, no, this is she does not need to be doing this. No one needs to be receiving these messages like at their work email at work. Um, and you are so, so, so within your rights to point that out and to ask, you know, somebody to ask her to stop. Yeah. I once worked at a place that had some kind of email go out and someone hit reply all to a large, large number of people and people kept replying all as they do. And finally, someone made some kind of joke that was probably not appropriate for the workplace. And someone responded and just said, I don't think that's appropriate for the workplace. And all of the emails stopped. I (laughs) wouldn't recommend that, but it's there's probably other people frustrated is what I'm getting at. That would be a totally reasonable email to send back to her. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You got a lot of options available to you. This woman is very, very much in the wrong. Um, my my guess is your bosses, uh, once it is made clear to them that like, you know, this sure looks a lot like privileging one religion over another in the workplace or, or you know, making it seem as though we all ought to be one religion. Like, yeah, you don't want that smoke. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yep. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. 
Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 